Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Join in on a great conversation today with some of the world's great influencers as they showcase great advice and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome. Thanks for joining in with us. Today, we're going to teach you, and actually, we're going to help make it easier for you to take your business to the next level by giving you a much greater understanding on the power of leveraging relationships. Now, guys, this is like nothing I've seen or heard before. And we're also going to talk about how to produce high-dollar on-demand videos that are paid for by sponsors. So what does that mean? That means if you're an expert on anything, growing orchids, wrenching on cars, anything, if you're an expert on anything, which you should be by now, you're going to love this. And this may help you climb up to that first million and beyond. Now, by the way, I've been producing weekly episodes for seven years now. Can you believe that? And you can access the full library at TonyDURSO.com slash podcast. And you can also type any word like marketing or million or, or guest name like Ziegler in the search and see what comes up. And you'll find a wealth of knowledge, advice, and guidance from our elite entrepreneurs. That's what I call them. Many of them are millionaires and billionaires. And there's one thing to know, that it's all designed to help you take things up a few notches. Well, today we're going to talk about the power of leveraging relationships with James Ziegler. Oh, and by the way, while we're at it, this is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. We want to help you get very successful at growing your business to a high sustainable level. And we want to help you and your friends, and we want to help turn you into an elite entrepreneur. All right. Meet James Ziegler. First of all, he's got the longest list <laughs> of accomplishments I've ever seen. I asked him for a short <laughs> bio. I get this list a mile long of accomplishments. Just one would be a dream career for many people. And when you go to his site, you'll see it just goes on and on and on. It goes, it goes on longer than those batteries that we hear about. Well, anyways, for 48 years, he's recognized as a writer, a columnist, speaker, and a super performer. He's been a friend of mine for over a decade. Oh, and he's worked for more than worked with more than 15,000 dealerships nationwide. He's taught and influenced hundreds of thousands of people truly off the charts. I think that says enough. Get ready to make your notes. Let's get into it. Hi, Jim. Welcome to the Tony Dierso show. I am so pleased to be here. You know, we've, we've been friends for a long time and, and I've been aware of this show and I, I was sort of put out. You never invited me till now. Well, you you just weren't big enough. Now that you added another page of accomplishments, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay, <laughs> Jim. You're such a superstar in the industry. Uh, I'm I'm. You know, it took me seven years to get good enough to be able to interview you. Is is really kind of a little bit more like it. And all joking aside, we really are looking forward to learning about the power of leveraging relationships. It sounds this is nothing to do with you know, the personal relationships in a way, but this is beyond anything that I can think of, guys. Just stay tuned, sit back, take your notes, and let's find out what Jim's got to say. Perhaps let's start here, Jim. How did it all start for you? What's your backstory? 
how did it all start? Oh my gosh. I don't know when it started. I've always been a super salesperson. When I was was six years old, I was a salesperson. And when I was eight years old, I was a sales manager. <laughs> my mother, my mother was driving down Cassett Avenue in Jacksonville, Florida. I was six years old, and she heard me yelling, "Mom, hey, mom!" And she looked up, and fifty feet above the street on a tree limb, I was hanging on this tree limb, cutting mistletoe. And the big boys down down below were catching it, and we were selling it outside the shopping centers at Christmas time. So the next year, my mother said, you're not doing that anymore. <laughs> and I, I threw a tantrum. So my father took me out in the forest, and we cut down 200 pounds, the biggest limb of mistletoe. I mean, we cut down a whole limb drug it out my and my mother packaged it put bows and ribbons on it and and then i i told the kids in the neighborhood bobby you've got woolworths john you got rexall you've got winn dixie grocery store and i was assigning kids 25 cents a bunch my mother got a nickel i got a dime and the kid that i hired got a dime so here i was eight years old seven years old Two months a year, I made more money than my father, who was a, an enlisted man in the U.S. Navy. That's amazing. I've never heard a story like that. I was just a paper route boy. <laughs> we all know how that is. And so I, I was always a salesperson. I was always an entrepreneur. I, I, I couldn't do, you know, I, I had a government job for a while. My parents were real happy about that, but uh, and I, I became a, a disc jockey. I became a radio announcer. And I, I was fairly famous at WAPE in Jacksonville. I was Dr. X, the big-time radio celebrity. And greatest job I ever had in my life, Tony, but it didn't pay much. And, and here I was, a high school graduate from the bad side of town, you know, middle-class parents. My dad was a listed man in the Navy with three kids. And I, I watched the, the salespeople. They, they got to dress nice. They wore coats and ties to work. I mean, which meant something to me at that time. They dressed nice. They looked at, they, they drove nice cars. And I went to, to Stan Kaplan, the owner of the radio station said, I'd like to be a salesman. He said, Jim, you're just too rough. You know, you're a bar fighter and a drag racer. <laughs> you know, you're not the image we want to, to put out. And so I said, no, look, um, I'm a pretty good DJ, but I'm going to go to another radio station if you don't let me sell. And he allowed me to leave. And I went to another radio station and I became a salesman and I was really good. So he hired me back. <laughs> and and I set records in sales and um, Jim, I remember along the one line. Thing, I remember one thing from social media way back when is when you quit a job, you, I think you were 18, you can correct me, you were selling cars and you quit your job to go work for yourself. And I like to focus a little bit on that part. I was a little older than 18. I was I was in my 30s. I had already had the career as a radio announcer. I was broke. I was divorced. I was angry. I walked into a car dealership and said, I'd like to be a car salesman. 
And and truthfully, Tony, I didn't want to be a car salesman. I just wanted to do that so I could get a better job. And maybe my relatives wouldn't find out. And I got a free car. Uh, they, they gave you a demo. Oh, my gosh. And guess what? The third month in the industry, I set the all-time record for that car dealership. And I made... I made $4,500. Now, now, Tony, that was 1976. I never made that kind of money at, at, as a radio executive. And it, it not, not in those days. And it dawned on me that, that this was a, a, a good job. So somewhere along the line here, I was at broke, divorced, angry, packing my every earthly possession into my 1973 beat-up old car. And I snuck out of Jacksonville in the middle of the night, headed for Atlanta, didn't know where I was going to work, what I was going to do. I just knew that I was out of there. And I made two decisions that night. Decision number one, I will be a success. I will be the ultimate success that I personally am capable of being. Now, understand, people listening to this broadcast are, are successful, but nobody, not you, not me, not any listener in this audience is as successful as you could be, should be, deserve to be. You're not performing at your best level. There's, And you better believe there's more. So that evening, I made a decision. I will do everything it takes to be a sustained success. I'm a high school graduate from the bad side of town with poor parents. I, you know, this, this was what I was going to do. I was going to be a car salesman, I thought. And the second decision is that I would seek out role models and mentors, and I would study my profession as surely as if I were studying for a master's degree in any other profession. Read every book, attended every seminar, sought out role models and mentors. And I blew into town with $400 to my name, and within five years, I was a millionaire. And I started out selling cars. I became a manager. Now, now, there's a story for you. You want to hear it? I would. And, and and with that story, Jim, you've got this drive that's beyond beyond anything that I've normally have heard or have interviewed. You go beyond, beyond, beyond. Like, as you were saying, you feel, you believe that there's so much more potential. You could keep going so much more. Uh, you're not as successful as you think you should be. So I want to ask you, and I want to hear that story, but I want to know, and I'm, while you're saying this, I'm thinking, why? What's your purpose? Why are you doing this? Your refrigerator's full of food, I'm sure, like mine we talked about offstage. You, oh, Tony, the... Tony, Tony, I am the last gladiator. I mean, I'm a competitor. I'm, I, I mean, I am, I am not satisfied to be number two. I have drive, I have focus and intensity. And when you and when you achieve focus and intensity and and you are dedicated to winning it, whatever you are endeavoring to do, 
I wasn't a world record setting salesman, but I was the best salesperson anywhere I was. I was never beaten by another salesperson in any competition wherever I was. And I needed, I needed that. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a competitor by nature. And I think that's probably the drive. And when, when I started becoming a manager in Atlanta, I set world records in the car business. And the way that I did that was I found out the numbers. Let me tell you my story before I get into that part. Please do. Because it, 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 <laughs> I, I was a salesperson. I was happy. And somewhere along the line, I met my wife. Debbie Ziegler, we've been married 38 years. I met my wife. I sold her a car. Tony, we were working so many hours in those days. Car sales was a 70-hour, 60-hour-a-week job. You didn't, you didn't have any time for social life. And this woman came in and bought a car, and I made so much profit on that deal. I was it was it was a it was a big <laughs> I was celebrating that deal. And then I ended up making every payment myself. <laughs> <laughs> so so here here I was. We did we finally got to the point where we were discuss we dated for two years. We we're discussing marriage. And she comes from an old line. Southern aristocracy family, if you can imagine going with the wind family, you know, she, she's one of these old Southern families. She said, Jim, my parents are going to probably have a problem with me marrying a car salesman. I said, yeah, I can see that. I said, well, what if I was a manager? She said, well, that would be really good. So I went to the dealer and I said, look, I got to be a manager. <laughs> so he sent me to school. I became a finance manager. And the second month, third month in the business of being a finance manager, I set the world record. But here's the answer to your question in a long about way. My, my, my guy that was uh, my uh, F&I coach, the, the guy that sold the F&I products, the, the insurances, the service contracts, the representative, Tony DeGanchi, one another Italian Tony. Tony DeGanchi comes in and he says, my God, Jim, you could hit a thousand dollars a retail unit this month. And I was new at it. I said, well, well, so he said, Jim, nobody's ever done it. Now, Tony, that's all I needed to hear. Nobody's <laughs> ever done it. I said, are you sure? He said, Jim, that would be the record. I said, check it out. He came back within a week and he said, Jim, I checked with Auto Age 500. I've checked with the National Automobile Dealers. Nobody's ever done $1,000 a retail unit. And you're like nine seventy-five. So I, I consciously went after the number. I didn't stumble onto it and wake up one day and say, hey, I just did $1,000 a unit. No. I was selling harder than I'd ever sold. And, and, and selling to me is persuasion and finesse. 
You don't need to lie, cheat, sneak, deceive, misrepresent to sell anything. All you have to do is explain finesse and persuasion. If I bought a car dealership today, I'd hire a bunch of eight-year-olds. They're the best closers in the world. (laughs) (laughs) I have grandchildren. They can close you out. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I I set world records. um, I was part of a world record setting team at Dyer & Dyer Volvo and in 1986, um, I was with the Potamkin organization. I was the director of, of their department, and they wanted to change my pay plan. They wanted to, they, they felt they were overpaying me. <laughs> One moment here. <clears throat> we're talking about the power of leveraging relationships with James Ziegler, and you can find him at ZieglerSuperSystems.com. You should know how to spell this, Ziegler. Z-I-E-G-L-E-R, supersystems.com. Check it out. And you'll also see that very short, tiny bio that I mentioned at the beginning of this interview. (laughs) It's very tiny. James, back to you. Oh, golly. So we had a pay plan negotiation, and, and I wasn't up for the pay plan negotiation. So... I basically left the company. I came home to my wife and I said, I've quit the business. I'm going to start a consulting company. She said, Jim, now, 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 Tony, I was making several hundred thousand dollars. And she was very nervous. She said, "Uh, Jim, who's doing this? I said, nobody. I'm creating an industry. There are no consultants to car dealers. And she said, Jim, I I don't, and she was very nervous. I said, look, if I can't make a good living within 90 days, I'll go back into the car business and get a job. So I had a 90-day window that my wife gave me to be successful. Flew to Detroit, met with the vice presidents of Ford Motor Company. Now, I was fairly well known in retail, but I, I'm I'm on the 32nd floor of the Renaissance Center. That's where General Motors is headquartered today. Ford Motor Company occupied that before. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of Detroit people don't realize that Ford had Renaissance Center before GM. So I'm on the 32nd floor of the Renaissance Center. I'm looking at Edsel Ford III. I'm looking at Bob Rui. I'm looking at Dick Fenstermacher. Uh, Tony Restucia, another one of those tribe members there. Tony Restucia was in the room. I mean, you know, I mean, all the vice presidents of a Ford Motor Company, Bob Rui was in the room. And I found out this, that Jesse Jackson had made a deal with Ford Motor Company and the Rainbow Coalition to have 300 minority-owned car dealers and they were recruiting and training African-American dealers to keep that. And, and I wanted that contract. And I, I came home with that contract. And I had three different things from Ford Motor Company. I was the finance training school for, for Ford Motor Company officially. 
I was on all their surface contract and training videos. I was on all the Ford company training videos. And I was consulting the minority auto dealers program and training and recruiting African-American dealers. And we made a million dollars our very first year. <laughs> that is it was off to the races. <laughs> off to the races and you never looked back. But you kept going into different things. You went into speaking, you you produce conferences, you're doing on-demand videos. I don't even know where to start, but one of the perhaps here, one of the things I mentioned at the very beginning in my introduction, uh almost talking about videos, um you you got sponsors to pay for it. One of the things that I think you did, one of your niche or niche uh, sales actions or activities is getting sponsors or getting someone else to pay for it. You're very, very good at it. For example, you did and put on a lot of conferences and seminars. Yes, we did. You got sponsors to pay for it. So I'd like to learn, as well as the audience, any insights on putting something together that's big and I, getting some. I will fast forward to that part of my career. How's that sound? All right, and we, and we can go back. There's so many things to oh, talk about. We we got hours of material in, in 45 minutes. Let's let let's get down to the brass tacks. Okay, so I was my wife and I were doing seminars, finance seminars, and sales manager seminars, and dealer principal seminars, and we were very successful. We did several hundred seminars, but then. Digital dealer and some of the big conferences caught my eye. Now, I was already a trainer and, and conference. I, I was a keynote speaker at 98 state dealer conventions. I was writing for the magazines. I, I became a celebrity speaker in the, in the car business. I signed autographs at the conventions. It was incredible. So all of a sudden, we started doing conferences because the Internet became a thing. So when the internet became a thing and people started selling cars with technology-assisted marketing, you know, social media marketing, website marketing, email marketing, all the technology things. And, and you know, I don't mind telling people I'm 75 years old and I'm teaching internet to young people. So here, <laughs> so we started doing the conferences, 200, 250 attendees. 20 sponsors, 20 speakers. And the sponsors paid anywhere from $7,500 to $25,000 to be a sponsor. And these were people that were vendors that serviced car dealers. And this was, was I would look through the magazines and look through the publications, and I would look at the other conferences and see who their sponsors were, and I would contact them, and it was it was telephone work. It was absolutely picking up the sponsors. And the package, the, the $10,000 package was basically, you could have your speaker on my stage, plus a booth in, in my, my exhibit area, if you would do that. And, uh, and the cocktail party was 25000 we were having these at resort locations. We were extremely successful. It was my, you know, the, the, the attendees were paying $750 each. 
uh, the sponsor, you know, two hundred, two hundred fifty of them. We had the, we had the sponsors paying seventy five hundred, ten thousand, twenty five thousand, and and the the events. My wife had it down to less than thirty thousand dollars per event, including sit down meals and everything. I, I could consult people on how to throw a profitable conference. So battle plan, we're calling these internet battle plan. So October, uh, excuse me, September 3rd of 2019, we threw battle plan 25, the 25th one. We had done four sales manager super conferences and 25 battle plans. Highly successful. October 3rd, a month later, I was diagnosed with a very aggressive stage four cancer. And we had had a, a conference planned for February, but this wasn't going to happen. We were doing three conferences a year. So the February conference was out. I had a nine-hour surgery, uh, two tooth physician, almost died three times, lost a hundred pounds. Wow. And then right behind that, Tony, you ready for COVID hit 14 days in intensive care, almost died three times. And now COVID hit and we're locked down. And I had been doing a lot of video work to advertise my conferences, similar to what we're doing now with this broadcast. So I already had the sponsors lined up. I knew the sponsors. And I, I started recruiting the sponsors. And I, I first thing I did was I got with Vimeo and I put up a training platform. Everybody, every all the professional speakers in the world have a video platform. Everybody's got one. And you, you want to sell subscribers. Tony, I, I'm I'm too lazy to stay on the phone. It, 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 I've done all that. I, I'm not going to stay on the phone and stay on the keyboard and spend my entire day trying to pick up additional subscribers. So, but I put I put my entire finance training school, and and this is a ZieglerOnDemand.com. If you want to take a look at what I've what I've built, Ziegler Z I E like I before E. ZieglerOnDemand.com. Take a look. I I put all my training platform there. Sales manager, dealer, principal training. I put everything I have on that platform. And I'm adding to it regularly. But I don't charge the subscribers, Tony. I'm charging the sponsors. The sponsorship package is $10,000 for four interviews. I will interview the sponsor four times over a period of six months. $10,000. And I will put that vi those videos mixed in with the training videos on the platform. And it's, it's, it's not the kind of money we were making with the conferences. But I don't leave the house. We're upwards of three hundred thousand dollars right now uh, annually. That that's not the kind of money I. But I don't need any money. I, I 
<laughs> I've stashed my money will live longer than I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am purely ego-driven right now. It's, it's, you know, I, I, I have never been afflicted with humiliation. Jim, you're just, <laughs> face it, Jim, you're just not good enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, people say, you know, I wear $100,000 on my hands. You know, I, I, I got the alpha dog and all the swagger. But that's not that's not who Jim Ziegler is. Uh, you know, you got to look past the cartoon character that I've created and see that there's a, a lot of intellectual dynamics here. <laughs> well, what one thing I see in your material is, and I'm and I mentioned this just a little bit is you've got this strong desire, this strong purpose. Yeah, I get that you want to be the best. I get that you want to sell and 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 make records, achieve records, achieve feats that no one else has. And I believe and I understand that's what makes you go. That's what you know, turns, uh, turns the crank and, and gets you going. But you really like to help people a lot. I've seen it throughout all your social media. You're giving information left, right, and center just to help. You just did it. Some people may see it as a sales pitch to go to your video site, but you're just trying to say, hey, this information is there. You don't have to pay for it. I tell you all these things. I teach you all this. You've got this great help button feature that that i see really pushes this forward don't 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 let that rumor get out please yeah 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 i have helped a lot of people i i, I talk to people every day that say jim you helped my career you helped me you did this you elevated me uh there is a a famous used car dealer in the carolinas named tracy myers and Tracy is very, very successful. He he came up to me recently. He said, Jim, you might not recall, but I was at Atlanta Toyota. You were training there back in the 90s. And I was quitting the car business. I had packed up my belongings. I was getting out of the dealership. And you talked me into staying in the business. And you're the only reason that I'm still here. And Rusty Gentry, a, a, a successful car dealer in, in Texas, he, he was my first employee. And I look at the people that I've elevated from salesperson to dealer principal to general manager, the people that I have helped, and I've helped a lot of my competitors. Tony, I have no envy. I think one of the secrets of success for anybody, is I I want you to have more than I have. I want you to be more secure. I don't care. I don't want anything you have. I might want something like what you have, but I don't want yours. And and I think people need to adopt no envy. I will help you. It's a big world. There's, there's billions of people here. I can't service all of them. Join the party. You know, and I, I've helped my competitors. I've, uh, Mark Lenave, who was the president of General Motors, when General Motors had their big bankruptcy and a lot of things happened, um, I called Mark Lenave up and I said, hey, Mark, Jim Ziegler, what can I do to help you? Now, when he was president of General Motors, he hired me often 
you know, to consult the divisions when they when they were in trouble. And there was too late to help, but I he had hired me and I said, Mark, I know a lot of people. How can I help you? He said, Jim, I'm amazed you're calling me. I said, well, you know, Mark, it's real easy to be your friend when you were president of General Motors. <laughs> does that make sense to you, Tony? It does. <laughs> it was Absolutely. easy to be your friend when you were president of General Motors. Now, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And, I like that a lot. And uh, with your varied career, there's there's a couple questions that I w think that our audience would really like to hear because I'm certain, and you've already mentioned some of this, it's not all been roses for you or however oh, no. the say saying goes, you've had your share of failure. So I want to ask you, Jim, if you could take us through perhaps the biggest failure you had and how you came out of that. Well, I, it wasn't my failure. It was the, the, the it was politics, but but 2008 when we went into the biggest financial crash the, the country's ever seen, you know I had built a company with 40 employees. Um, I think our our highest gross was maybe seven million dollars in uh, 2006, and you know we we were moving along at a fantastic rate. And I was in London. I was buying a franchise for Academy, which was the British version of Facebook. I was buying U.S. rights to Academy. I was in London, October 15th, 2008. I can tell you the day in a minute. And we heard the news that the U.S. economy had crashed. And I had just written a sizable check <laughs> to Thomas Power uh, to buy U.S. rights to Academy. And I ended up forfeiting that. We had to get home and save our company because the car dealers crashed hard in 2008. You know, the, maj the majors went bankrupt in 2009. I mean, the entire U.S. economy crashed. And I couldn't lay off my employees fast enough. And I called the landlord and I, and I had 6,000 square feet of offices in a class A building. And I called the, the landlord, the, the management company. I said, look, I got to break my lease. I said, we're bleeding money out of every artery. I'm losing tremendous money and I've got to close the, the, the office. He said, Jim, you have a lease. I said, I've been with you seven years. I, I was with your sister company years before that. I mean, give me a break. I need to break the lease. He said, Jim, you won't do that. I'm holding you to the lease. I said, okay, I will give you three months rent and I will move out. Or I will give you the other choice. I will move out. So I'll either move out or I'll pay you three months and move out. That's, that's your choice. He said, Jim, you're not going to do that. He, he wouldn't accept it. So I called the city rescue mission, Tony. And I talked to the minister and I said, would you like 40 or $50,000 worth of computers and furniture and office equipment? And he said, yeah, yeah. I said, all you, all you got to do is get it all out of my office in one day on a Sunday, 
when nobody's in the building, you can't leave a paper clip on the floor. You take everything or nothing. So here, here the <laughs> Sunday comes around, the, the rescue mission shows up with a moving van. And I don't know how many street people he had he had recruited. I mean, some pretty rough characters, but all these people carrying this stuff out. Monday morning, I get a call from the management. He said, you moved out, didn't you? I said, yeah, I told you I was going to. And he said, is that is that offer still good for three months? Rent? I said, yeah, I'll pay you three months rent. Draw up the paper. So we went through that with perfect credit. Amazing. And I wasn't broke. I, I was, I, I had, I still <laughs> had milk, but I, I wasn't going to lose any more money. I was writing checks back to the company out of personal funds. I was, I was financially okay, but I couldn't continue to lose the amount of money we were losing with, when the economy crashed. So one employee stayed, stayed with me and we started making phone calls and we started selling the business. My wife and I brought it home and we, we were making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a month in in four or five months. It, it, it came back to that level. What didn't come back to the level it was before the recession. But I realized I was making a higher net profit without the employees than I was with the employees. And you just certainly had the low overhead. We started doing the conferences from the uh, lockdown. What's that? That's when we started doing the conferences. Oh, that is brilliant. Battle Jim, plan, battle plan one, internet right. battle plan. And it, the first, the first one I had, I had four people on stage and, you know, you, you got to jump in there. Do you, do you remember the, the movie Indiana Jones and the last crusade? Absolutely. Remember Harrison Ford had the Holy Chalice. And he was standing on the brink of the abyss, the big, <laughs> yeah, there's, he looked down, he couldn't see the bottom, you know, and the voice said, step out and the rock will appear. And he stepped out and the rock appeared. There are so many entrepreneurs that are afraid to step out. They, 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 they cling to something so, so, so hard. They don't when I tell people to start, start your own business, do it, be prepared, have enough backup funds to do it. And then step out there. Don't try to be half in and half out. Step out. Once you have the, have the resources for um, three or four months, step out there. I, t I tell them all that, Tony. That's a great advice for today's entrepreneur, but the, a lot of a lot of my audience, they're business owners as well. Some some are startups. They've stepped out, but they're trying to. There's always something new out there. Things don't stay the same for some reason. Go figure. The uh, protocols, mandates, rules, rulings. There's always something, and you gotta, in a way, learn to dance and 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 the the song and you got to know when it's time to go move 
But that all that said, there are basics that are still basics. And if you really put that together, you can really create a good route, a good swift route to success. So we would love any closing, good, solid pieces of advice that you can tell our audience on how to really persevere despite anything. We don't know what next year is going to hold, but we still got to survive. Tony, gather people. The most powerful people on earth are those people that influence the most other people. Uh, yeah, money is just measurement. Influence is power. You know, everybody, how many people were in your high school graduating class? If you had a class of six, 700 people, how many of those people did you know back then? Most of them. Most of them, six, seven hundred people, you knew most of them. How many of those people do you still know today? Not one. You let them drift in the past and they evaporated. Because you don't keep people in your circle. You you and I with social media, my gosh, I've got a hundred and fifty thousand, two hundred thousand friends and followers on social media. Tony, you've got more than that. Influencing other people. If you influence other people, you will always be monetarily wealthy. If you have a circle of influence and if, if you're good, be, be good. Be good at what you do. I said earlier, study your profession as surely as if you were studying for a master's degree. Whatever you do, be the best. Now, why, why would anybody be less than the best? I, I call myself the alpha dog. And you notice I spell it correctly, D-A-W-G, because I live 30 miles from the University of Georgia, the home of my beloved bulldogs. <laughs> and, and Alpha Dog is the lead dog on the sled team. What are the other eight dogs looking at? <laughs> He's the only one with a view. <laughs> Absolutely. Jim, one of the most uh, profound pieces of information about you, after going through your just itty-bitty little tiny bio on your page, I say that facetiously maybe at the very end that you talk about somewhere just doing something for just to help and for the good of just doing it with no thought of return at all whatsoever and it's so for some of us it's like hard to believe that you've accomplished so much yet you believe in just doing and paying it forward and i'd like to spend just the final closing minutes on the power of performing that and doing that and why? Well, it's not spiritual. I mean, a lot of people put a spiritual connotation on it. Uh, I, I am a Christian, by the way, but I don't I don't wear that on my sleeve and I don't put that out there for everybody. I mean, helping other people. I have more than enough money. I, I'm not a wealthy, wealthy person. I'm not Bill Gates, certainly, or Elon Musk, but you know, I, I have, I'm somewhere on the ladder, you know, helping other people. I, I, I just like the, the legacy. 30 years after I'm gone, what are people going to say about Jim Ziegler? 
I want people to say, boy, he he was a real show off. He was he was he he was obnoxious. He he wore jewelry and hats and they would look look at look at this guy. But he was good. Yeah. When 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 Sally Fields met Smokey 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 and the Bandit, Burt Reynolds, she she asked Burt Reynolds, what do you do? And Burt Reynolds said, I show off. <laughs> and, and I love showing off, but the, the the hidden thing of helping other people with no ex- expectation of reward, you know, and try not to get caught doing it. Yeah, I, I see people that that do it for the recognition. I, I I help a lot of people, and I don't get caught doing it, and I don't care to be caught doing it. It just uh, that's a personal thing with me. I mean, there are deserving people that that I have helped, I, and the, the people I've, I I got an award twenty years ago from Toastmasters. I've never been a member of Toastmasters, but Toastmasters gave me a national award for helping other people in the profession, in the speaking profession. That's I've got that award on the shelf behind me. That is quite and something. I've got I so many that... lifetime achievement awards. I, I, I keep telling people, stop giving me these awards. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't addressed it very much, but if you read between the lines in this interview, you really get to see your success because the title of this is The Power of Leveraging Relationships. And you can really see how you've used these relationships in helping people, in in bringing sponsors together, which is, is which is really the big thing. One of the big money makers, I think, for you right now with your video on demand, and it's just really using that relationship. And I think that that's really key. You you talk about that here and there. How many people we know from our high school and our school days? Well. This you and I went to school before the internet was around. I think today we we would say we know more people, but I dare to think I know one person. I don't think I know one person from my collegiate or university career, high school, grammar school. Actually, grammar school, I do know some people, believe it or not. Um, (laughs) We're diehards. (laughs) But it's that power, it's that leveraging relationships and staying true. You know, we didn't talk about values here and we talked about paying it forward, but that stays true. That's how you can speak to someone who used to be the president, isn't the president anymore, and you can help them because you keep you keep in touch with that relationship. I think that's really cool. We did not do that title justice, but I hope everyone really learns a lot from this. I hope so. I hope I hope we we touch somebody and so somebody had a had a aha moment and they said, Oh, he's right. I can do that. I can have that. I can have a nicer home. I can have a better life. I can do more for my education for my children and my spouse. I can do it. I hope somebody just picked up on something that will motivate them to, to do more, be more, and have more. Absolutely. Once again, everyone, we talked about the power of leveraging relationships with James Ziegler, and you can find him at ZieglerSuperSystems.com. And once you go there, there's links to some of his other sites. He's got a few of them, one of them he mentioned earlier. But check him out. And again, his stuff to help you is all free. Jim, thank you so much for sharing with us today. I loved it. And we're, 
you know, I think we're going to need to do, we're going to need to keep talking because there's so much more to share with the audience. Please, please, anytime, anytime. Um, <laughs> you're, you're a dear friend, Tony. I'll help you any way I can help you. And and I, I love doing the, these chats. It's, it's wonderful. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took his vision to reality. We discussed the power of leveraging relationships with James Ziegler. We talked about so many things. Can you believe he was a manager at eight years old? And in two months, he made more money than his dad in a year. This guy is really on the ball. He was a young millionaire. He went off to become an entrepreneur in his 30s, I believe is what he said. And he eventually got into producing conferences and seminars, and getting sponsors to pay for it. And now he produces video on demands, totally free for you and anyone. And again, sponsors pay for it. He has some good advice there on today's entrepreneur. We talked about paying it forward as it's called and just doing a good deed for the sake of doing a good deed without any, any want of return or any reason, or like, I'll do this for you. If you give that to me, none of that, just do something good. And it comes back, it comes back big time. That's why I always say it at the end of my interviews, just do something good and just do it because you want, because you want to help others. There's plenty of people that need help. So just help them and it all comes back to you. But before I go, I'd like to know what did we discuss that resonated with you? I am looking at having Jim come back next year. There's so much more to talk about. What would you like us to discuss? And please remember supporting the show with a nice review on Apple Podcasts, or let's just say instead of a nice review, if you heard my last podcast, uh, we're going to take out that word nice. I just got to change my acumen. So an effective review. And if you listen to the last show, you'll know what I'm talking about. And you can get onto Apple Podcasts from any web or mobile device. Please try and leave a kind review. I appreciate that so much. And share this with a few friends to help them too. All right. Use this and let's help you move on your journey to success. Thanks. And remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. So good seeds. Do good deeds. And join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Erso Show. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of the Tony D'Urso Show with his key influencers. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.